Welcome to another episode of You Should Read This with my co-reader, Tom van der Luba. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. Looking forward to our discussion. And uh, I, I, you're, uh, you're in Switzerland right now and it's pretty hot, right? Yep. And uh, we've just had a, a nice spell here in England. Maybe that was our summer. <laughs> that could quite possibly have been our summer, our last five or six days of sun. <laughs> we're now back to rain. Um, anyway, we're here to talk about uh, Mariana Mazzucato, Mazzucato, uh book. Her book is called Mission Economy, a Moonshoot Guide to Changing Capitalism. And this is one that you picked, Tom. Yeah. Um, and I first want to tell why I. Uh, wanted to discuss the book with you. Uh, there are more uh, reasons for that. One of the reasons is that she's a professor in London, uh, but uh, she has a much more international focus. She's one of the advisors of the European Commission, and she is one of the, I would say, new group of women professors uh, in, in this uh, economic space, which um, let's say you can also take um, a donut economy, Kate Hay Rayward, etc. Yeah. So there's a, there's a bigger group. She also mentions them at the end of the book. They support each other also a little bit, and they are all discussing. I would say, to put it a little bit broader, the shareholder value uh, economy. Let's say from the from the 80s, and they are, are let's say, more thinking about a more broader um, a discussion which goes on in society, role of business, role of uh, the government, etc., etc. So she's, she's one of those people. And she is a very energetic person. I also um, managed to, um, to listen to her live and she's really, um, it's really interesting to, um, to hear her speak. And uh, this, is, this is, I think, even her third book. I'm not quite sure. I think it's the third book. Um, and I want to tell something about uh, the way this book is structured. Uh, the first part is, um, I would say, a reflection which you can also find in her last book. It's more general discussion about economics and the role of the state. We'll dive into that uh, later. Uh, then the second part is um, a description of the Apollo project um that's that's where the 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 title comes from this whole moonshot idea of a, of a big goal and the third and fourth part is much more into how would we implement this way of thinking this moonshot way of thinking and in the end it's a little bit about thinking about a new green deal or other big social projects so that's the way the book is structured yeah, that's right. Um, well, should we? Where should we kick off then? Um, do you, I suppose do you do you want to start with your overall reflections? Mm. How did it leave you like feeling after reading it? Um, yeah, I think uh, let's let's say what what is what is interesting is, but perhaps we should just dive into it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then and then and then also see how how we will discuss on that i would i would say it is interesting to 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 take this first part and she calls this myths she want to she want to 
to show that certain way of thinking about the role of the state is not correct. And um, and then she takes, let's say in the in the that's not it's not it's especially at the beginning, but it's a little bit further on. Um, uh, she takes five myths where she discusses the role of the state, and um, um, yeah, she I think you call debunking, or yeah, she just says mm. it's just it's just not true. And that would be perhaps an interesting starting point to discuss this. Um, and I would just take one out to start with because there's an interesting actual context. And that would be, for instance, that I take the third one here, uh, that the government should be run like a company, as an example, and that competition always improves something. Uh, but there are certain things which can't be run that way. And I would take an actual example of the public transport, where Britain started to privatize much earlier, and she also takes this as an example in the book, um, much earlier than all the other countries had privatized British Rail, or at least uh, partly, etc. And now what I find very interesting is that because Britain started so early, uh, you have a very good way of analyzing what went well and what didn't go so well. So I would say, I mean, I live in Switzerland. The Swiss are always the last who do something that has sometimes negative aspects. If you talk about innovation, on the other hand, for instance, about privatization, it has been very interesting because, for instance, the public transport is still totally state-owned and all the buses and, and, and local transport is also state-owned. Uh, and I would consider, and I know the public system here in Switzerland pretty well, because I live here, but I also know the British system a little bit. I would say this is a typical example of public goods, which work pretty well or much better if you don't privatize it, because there can't be a totally different goal. So public transport would be, for instance, also in this new discussion about climate, you could discuss if public transport is a typical role which the government should take care of because you want have, let's say, a lot of people in public transport and not on the roads if you want to lower CO2 emissions, as an example. Or if you take energy, the energy provider uh, is owned here by the people in the city. It's still state-owned or uh, uh, communal, how you want to call it. Uh, and the goal of an energy provider at the moment is not to sell more energy all the time. No, to sell less because we want to solve our climate problem. And that's what she's doing in this, in this first part uh, of the book. So perhaps you want to add something uh, on 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 that because these are five myths she um, she discusses. Yes, and the other thing that I think she she talks about and emphasizes a lot is this idea of um, the market failure theory and wanting to move away from that. So market fa failure theory is this idea that the government is there to come in and fix failing markets, right? And uh, she's saying that that ought not to be the role of government, and rather government should be. Um, in this role of co-creator or co-shaper with other institutions of markets. 
and should play a much more active role uh, with much more entrepreneurial uh, spirit and in the way that Apollo, in the way that the US government took on the mission um, to, to get to the moon. And, you know, whilst, whilst I, I, I applaud the sentiment, right, this idea that government could act in that way, I have deeply, and of course she does use the example of the, the pillar, Apollo mission, I, I'm deeply sceptical as to whether um, governments can, uh, can, can operate in that way. And, and, and indeed, to some degree, like as I said to you before the show, being like my heart, being much more on the libertarian end, do we even want to like try that with government? Like, is that even something we want to give, um, you know, give give our money to almost to to invest in a project like that to kind of transform government to, to take on a different role? Um, yeah, I'm deeply skeptical of um, you know giving giving more power to governments in that way. Um, but I, but, think I, but I do, but I do, but I am attracted to the sentiment, right? This idea that governments, you know, reimagine themselves. Yeah. So I'm, I'm much more a European continental thinker. Um, and I think just to take another example, if you take education, uh, I would say, and you can also take the statistics, that the countries where you have a very broad, open uh, system. Uh, which is just paid by the government. The Dutch university system is such a system. Everything is just paid by the government. Uh, is much more efficient in a way um, and, and works pretty well uh, because it's also very broad. But I can also take uh, housing as an example. And that's the part why where I'm active in is because we do Morris advice. There's a lot of research done about building. So if you want to build enormous amount of houses and 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 also permanently that's 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 done by for in 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 the communal housing uh in let's say area uh, and that worked for instance pretty well in the netherlands so so we had a lot of housing crisis they were always solved by by corporations uh, funded by the by the government that worked pretty well why did it work pretty well because uh, those risk of building enormous amount of houses uh, uh, only only the government can take. Or if you talk about roads or public infrastructure in general, those are such enormous infrastructure projects that if you see that that if this is done by commercial parties, and uh, that's why I took the housing as an example, they, they there it stops. So depending on economic cycles, they build or they don't build. And the government always can just continue to build. And that is an enormous problem in the Netherlands at the moment because they have taken away a lot of power of the of these corporations, of the communal housing uh, projects. And then at a certain point when there is a recession, nobody builds anything anymore. So uh, I think there are quite some uh, uh, good examples. Um, but but you can also see, for instance, if you talk about trains and buses, from a commercial point of view, it doesn't make sense to to operate buses here in the Swiss mountains because there are just not enough people who are using this. So then you would just say, no, no, that's, from a commercial point of view, that's not interesting. I would like to do. I would like to 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 have the rail to the airport from London City. Uh, 
which I understand because that makes sense and that you can do this commercially. But uh, somewhere in the highlands, uh, that's just not attractive to to um, uh, to operate those services. And then in the end, it, it means there is no service uh, at all anymore. Well, yeah, but that's that's I think potentially a fallacy you tr- fall into if you're if you're if the only if um, if your only solution is a government one, and you you look at that problem, you think, well, I can't imagine a you know. Um, I can't imagine a private um, entity fulfilling that need, then that becomes self-fulfilling. But what about in that situation of the Swiss mountains that maybe, I don't know, there's a, I don't know, there's a, there's a local farmer who uses his van, you know, once a week to do a little run and take a a few of the little old ladies to the, to the supermarket, right? Who knows, you know, the community could solve those problems. Um, in ways that we can't envisage, uh, if we, you know, trust in the entrepreneurial spirit of people in communities to solve the needs within those communities. Yeah, but if you just take, for instance, education as an example, and the funny thing is that there is a lot of data, so you can take OECD or other data. It's very simple. The best, the best school system there is is in Finland. So. And you can go on and on. So what I always find interesting is, let's say, if you would have the opinion that a lot of companies are able to do a lot of things better, yeah, probably in a lot of cases, that's, that's, that is the case. But if you talk about public goods, if you talk about public goods, and if you just compare public infrastructure, uh, I would say uh, the data just prove uh, the opposite. And you can take education, you can take... Uh, also, uh, the, the way uh, crises are managed, because it's much more stabilized. Uh, Denmark is an example in the corona crisis. But the, just take university as an example. And then you have, uh, which will be probably our next book. Uh, it also has an enormous function to stabilize the society because you have this anti-fragile aspects, uh, which also take, um, uh, take a, have a huge influence. So as an example, if you have... Uh, a system where you have to pay for the education of your children, then this risk of taking your children out of school um, uh, is, is, is connected to having a job or not. Right. But then the, 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 the libertarian example I often hear cited, and I think I've shared this with you before, is that in uh, sort of late 1800s in America, there was no state education system, as I understand it. And so what would happen is these private schoolhouses would crop up. And the way that those communities solved the problem of education for people with few resources was that there would be a kind of pyramid system in which the kids who were slightly a higher, uh, you know, a couple of years ahead would get paid pennies by the kids below to teach them, you know, maths or English or whatever. And so all these kids become, became not only students, but, you know, part-time teachers to the, to the kids. And the whole thing was very inexpensive. Um, and maybe the whole community paid for like one teacher to, to run the whole... Uh, establishment, but the whole thing, you know, worked as a as a uh, as a private entity that served the community, and and you know, so again, it comes back to can you trust communities to solve these problems themselves? And uh, my stars is always well, yes, we can. So, but in at the moment, if you talk about education, Scandinavia is on the top. No, I, I agree with you right and, now, and, and, and that's and that, but, the, but what, and, but what and you're all, doing all, is you're comparing all state systems because virtually of course virtually all modern economies have now developed as you know as 
the, the state and the you know, state functions in all of these areas, including education. And then if you were to compare across, yeah, sure, Scandinavia and Finland have the best ones. And I think there's a, you know, a ton to be applauded about the Finnish education system. I mean, it's wonderful the way that um, they get the kids involved in, the, in setting the curriculum. They don't, they're not kind of, they're not um, these hot houses, you know, with hours and hours of homework. There's lots of time for free play and outdoor play, you know. From my understanding of the Finnish system, it's, you know, it's a wonderful system. But that's not to say that private institutions couldn't create uh, similar levels of education and do it inexpensively. Um, yeah, I mean, and- another example, that's jumping outside of the education system, is in India. There's a network of hospitals that have got private institutions who have got the, the cost of heart surgery down to a fraction of um, what it costs uh, in, in, in most nations. And they also have a sliding scale where if you've got a certain income level, you pay a certain fee, and then that gives them enough profit to subsidize uh, heart operations for uh, people with low incomes. Um, I think even provide it for free in some cases. So, you know, another example of private institutions meeting the needs of the, of the, of the community. Okay, but that's, let's, 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 that's the first part of the book where she yes. takes a lot of examples. And perhaps uh, to add is also that, uh, and that is also a reference to her first book, is that she proved that all this innovation which is done mainly goes back to uh, fundamental research which is done by the government. So uh, the internet, uh, DARPA, etc. It's in, mainly or in most cases is from the defense budgets, by the way, if it is GPS or uh, in, internet, etc. And she takes also CERN um, in, in Switzerland. So th- that's where this first part is about. Yeah, no, no and, and again, I, I, my, my skepticism is how much is she cherry picking, right? I mean, if you look at, if you look at take a historical sweep and plenty of examples of amateur inventions coming up with, you know, fundamentally the Wright brothers, right? They're just a couple of mechanics doing it. In this, they, they invent the first airplane. Um, you know, Tesla, Edison, you know, these guys aren't working in government departments. So, you know, my question there, and I, I was, you know, at the time to run the data, but my, my, I had a, a deep suspicion there that she was cherry picking. I really hope you will invite her because <laughs> she's just around the corner. Uh, and, and I hope you will uh, discuss this with her if she's cherry picking. And I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Yes, she might prove it, Tyler. There's certainly many, many examples which she omitted, uh, you know, of amateur inventors, um, you know, achieving breakthroughs uh, in innovation. Yeah. So, but that, that's at least first, uh, the first part. And then it's about the mission impossible. And perhaps you should, um, you should dive into um, uh, this or is this okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this, so this is basically the idea, right, that you take that spirit, don't you, of the Apollo mission of putting people on the moon. And you then apply that to the, to the major challenges that we have uh, in the world right now. And, uh, of course, she focuses on um, the Sustainable Development Goals, which are 17, I believe. Um, and she yeah, is advocating for um, – and this is where I find a contradiction, right? She's, uh, <laughs> so, so in the early part of the book, you know, she – She's, you know, to quote her, she's sort of lauding um, the idea of having... Now, imagine the transformation, uh, and this is where she's talking about um, getting her government institutions and talking about uh, specifically in the US here. Um, 
Imagine the transformation from a bureaucratic top-down administration to a goal-oriented stimulator of new ideas from the ground up. But then she goes on to talk about the yes, you know, the sustainable development goals, which are, um, you know, they're they're they top-down, right? You know, these are um, these have been set by you know a group of you know people with a certain set of values, and nothing wrong with the goals, nothing wrong with those people with that set of values, but it's very much set from, you know, however broadly they cast the net to come up with those goals, it represents a certain worldview um, that then there's an expectation that this is the set of values and these should be the goals that, that the entire globe get behind. I mean, that just feels inherently top down as a construct. Um, and almost inevitably is going to curate bureaucracies around it just, just from the way that it's been developed. Um, so, so this is so this is where I had took some issue um, with the idea that then yes we had this 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 successful Apollo mission, um, but now we should envisage all basically all global challenges through this one set of goals and create programs around it. It just it just felt like an inherently top down approach. Uh, yeah, which is which is something I. Um, didn't really resonate with me in the broad in the broad sweep of how she was laying it out. So you don't and, think it's a good example? Well, I just you know, and that's not to say that she doesn't. So it's not so much. As it, I just you know, what's interesting about the book is, and I think where there's a lot of value in it is she does hi- highlight what I what I believe the future is. You know, which is where we know we have you know, tensions in our communities and, and problems in our environment and so on, um, the real difference making is going to be from, the, from communities, right? And she talks about Sweden, the Healthy Streets Project. She talks about, you know, around the corner from her in Camden, where they brought people together um, to work to improve um, all of the housing, state, housing estates in that borough of London. And those kind of initiatives where the values and the goals are going to be derived from those communities, they'll choose their sustainable development goals. Thank you very much. And I think that those projects will have a much greater chance of success than anything that we're trying to derive from whichever committee it was who came up with those you know, global goals. Do you think so? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't agree uh, with you. So, if you just take an example, at the moment, I think most people will agree on that uh, climate is the major topic. But if we just take a very actual topic, uh, the whole tax-paying uh, topic for big corporations, those, the real big topics are not uh, uh, are not. You can't solve them on a local level. So. Uh, they only can be solved on a national level or even on an international level. And just to take um, something uh, from the past, if you just see the development of international law, for instance, which and, and most of it is just very boring stuff. Uh, a lot of treaties about where borders are and sea and how, uh, how you should uh, act uh, in, in, in a certain uh, sphere or how you have to deal with diplomatic relations or embassies and whatsoever if you can use gift uh how do you call this uh, gas in 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 wars or child soldiers etc so there's a lot of stuff which works pretty well but we're always focused on which which doesn't on the things which don't 
uh, work uh, pretty well. But if you just take, for instance, the UN, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, there, there are a lot of topics which are just dealt with, uh, and 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 that's typical typically something which which we agree on on an international uh, level. But also, if you have to trade, for instance, take the whole Brexit topic as an example, we are not aware of how many institutional international treaties and agreements are in place. And, 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 and we don't realize how smooth all this stuff uh, works out until we just have a situation about a COVID uh, crisis and you have to need, uh, how can I show if I want to travel from A to B? Uh, etc or they have a brexit and you suddenly realize oh we're importing an enormous amount of stuff every day um uh, so i think that that this whole idea of taking taking a, a top-down approach to our major problems is uh, the right one and then you can still say okay shall we save the planet as a very simple example uh, because that's where the topic is all about and how do we how do we how do we solve this on a local level and then you, in the Paris uh, Climate Agreement, you decide on a certain, let's say, goal, and then you 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 give the the freedom or the the, the implementation to all those countries and say, okay, how will you reach this goal? Uh, do you want to close down your your most worst uh, factories, or do you want to uh, subsidize your public transport, or do you want solar panels on all your houses? That's up to you, but we agree on this goal, Paris Climate Agreement. So I don't know what would be the alternative. So I think I think it's a question of it, it, it's it, you you solve this through transparency. Uh, so there's something to be said for finding and developing platforms which allow people to see the whole. You know, so so no matter where we're situated in society, we can see somehow draw links between our individual actions or the the, the, or the collective action of our of our locality and how this is contributing to a much bigger picture. So, kind of that level of a kind of global lens on our impact as individuals makes sense at some level to me. But then the idea that we we create coordinated global action through you know the levers of state in each country, let's say that is where I, which is where I have a sort of a, a visceral resistance to that. Uh, and the idea that you know major state actors are going to solve this, you know, that is, you know, I, I'm, I'm skeptical. But and we're, doing, we're doing all the time. Sorry, we're doing all the time. But yeah, you... that's not to say we don't do it all the time. And of course, states do it all the time. And you know that, that they are they are work. major actors and players in addressing global issues. Like I'm not saying that doesn't exist and that isn't the paradigm. That absolutely is the paradigm. I just I'm just saying that you know the libertarian in me is very skeptical of that and has actually has a higher degree of faith in what could be done, not that it's difficult for us to imagine, um, in local communities through voluntary action, um, assuming people are equipped with the, you know, with the information. Um, you know, we've seen examples of that in the UK, right? There are these, there are these. I forget, forget the name of the, the the initiative, but there's these kind of green towns, right, where they they together as a town decide, okay, we're going to come, we're going to become carbon neutral as a as a as a town, or we're going to become off grid as a town, right? We're going to develop all of our own energy um, within the uh, within the community. Yeah, but you're not going to solve uh, the problems because they are too big. So um, let's say people will agree. Just take the tax example because it was something which. For a long time, nobody thought that there would be a solution. 
because everybody said now all those countries are competing with each other and the multinationals just ask those those national entities or those countries shall i shall i put my head office here uh, can you tell me what i shall pay uh, but I, I will also discuss with a lot of other countries uh, perhaps i move from from country a to country b and then suddenly uh, that's also something which 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 let's say from from a historical point of view um uh was clear that that would uh happen that um because of the of of, of the big deficits and 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 a lot of uh, let's say companies and people who don't pay taxes you have to solve this in the end so so the question was just was when will this happen biden was the one and he said okay if i want to 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 do a lot of public projects or if I have to pay the bill after the Corona crisis, I have to I have to fix this this tax holes, and then and then you have to G what is it G seven or I don't know how many countries there are at the moment, and then they say okay shall we solve it, and then on that level, perhaps it will be fifteen percent minimum tax for all the corporations and that problem is is solved. But if you have to stabilize, or if you have to there is no countervailing power. In, in in this global business environment so so if you have to if you have to if you want to tax apple or or google uh, and they all use let's say amsterdam and dublin uh, to to not pay any taxes at all then you have to solve this and you're not able to solve this on national way you can say uh, you uh, naughty dutch you have to close the tax hall in Amsterdam. And then the Dutch say, yeah, but we have a few thousand lawyers in Amsterdam who earn a lot of money on this and uh, we don't care. Uh, and this will in the end be solved because other other countries will just say, sorry, we are losing too much money because Apple is not is not paying taxes because they are using uh, your, your loophole. And, yeah, and, well, yeah. and with climate is exactly the same. So you can do, uh, uh, let's say, a carbon neutral uh, village somewhere with a lot of people who although also do, and I w- I w- I'm a little bit provocative, do a lot of other stuff like meditation and, 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 and uh, biological farming, <laughs> etc. But But in the end, everybody understands that you have to, 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 to find an agreement on taxing kerosene. Do you say kerosene? So uh, the fuel... Well, for the for the airplanes, because as long as you can fly for 25 euros with EasyJet from London to Barcelona, then you are not going to take the train. Right, right, and like so you, you use two examples there. So first of all, the tax one. Look, I agree, right? If you've got these major, you know, multinational corporations dodging tax across jurisdictions, then the only way you can solve that is through coordinating tax jurisdictions to, to stop them, right? And so on that on but if you consider those dynamics, then yes, that's the only way you can solve it. But again, like, is there another way, right? You know, we now have the, that bypasses that whole issue, right? Because we now have blockchain, for example, as a decentralized means of creating networks where there is no centralized entity that's able to um, move money between jurisdictions and avoid tax in that way right you so you so could we not envisage and encourage and well to use her to use um uh Masakuta's paradigm like you know co-create and co-shape um 
yeah, decentralized still- entities who are operating in a completely different paradigm um, where you're not, you're not going to create organizations that are able to do this in the first place um, because no, they can't centralize and grow in that way. But you can't solve this with blockchain. So if you, if you, if you talk about, let's say, minimal uh, taxes, then it's just an international agreement. And it, I mean, you can, you, can, you can, let's say, use blockchain for decentralized uh, information, etc. But, but in the end, there has to be a decision or an agreement on how do you deal with this topic or that topic. So I think that her third part in, uh, part in book and her main topic is the New Green Deal. And she was searching for, let's say, a governmental uh, project. And then she took the Moon um, uh, project as an example because it was a positive uh, one. It inspired a lot of people. Uh, but you can also take the New Deal, which I would have fi- fi- uh, found even more appropriate. But there are a lot of there are a lot of real big public projects in the past. It can be electrification or uh, building uh, railroads or uh, building uh, public schools in certain periods of history. Uh, and in most countries, or you see then that everything was built at, at, in the same era. And railroads is a very, very good example. In certain countries, you say that all those stations, are, if they are still there, have exactly the same architecture. So they're just building the whole railroad and 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 just had a had a had a pretty fast infrastructure in and in, in only a couple of years and that's something which she proposes and I think she's totally right and I don't think that if you talk about uh, climate uh, change there is no interest for a company to produce at higher costs there is no interest to propose as an airliner to tax kerosene. Why would you? So you're even lobbying against it. So the only, the only, the only actor which is able to solve this, and this has been with all the major, let's say big projects, if it's about uh, voting rights or equal rights or, or uh, doesn't matter what it is, in the end, it's a kind of collective political uh, decision. It can be on the national level, it can be on the international level, but it's not something which is solved by local communities or, or individual players. Well, yeah, and this is where, it, yeah, this is where we differ because, because on the one hand, I agree with you, right? Like if, you know, the only way to stop, you know, a, an airline, I don't know, not burning more kerosene, right? The only way to incentivize it is because it because it doesn't pay for the ex, its externalities, right? And if you accept External you know, the impact of it, you know, so 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 I, like I totally buy it. And the only way that you can you know do that at some level is to coerce them in some way. However, right, that's not the only way I look at it. Again, if you put you know trust in um, local communities and you put trust in citizens to once you provide them with the data. Uh, to come up with their own solutions. I just think that's a more, you know, a more sustainable, a more humane um, way of, of approaching this, right? But how would you, um, how, how, how would you implement Paris Agreement? You say, okay, um, I mean, you even, let's say in your, in your world, for you wouldn't even have a Paris Agreement or, or would you have one? 
Well, it's not to necessarily like rail against the Paris Agreement. I'm just, I, I suppose it's, it's what's interesting for me is that, and she does do it to some extent. It's where she places the influence, it's the emphasis. So she does bring out some of these projects. Um, like I mentioned, the, the Camden initiative that she mentioned and the, the, the Sweden Healthy Streets. Um, but her bias seems to be towards you know, major governmental action Mm-hmm. to solve what she perceives as being, you know, global problems that can only be solved with, you know, major state actors, right? And, and I suppose where I'm coming at for it is, yes, these, these issues may exist, um, but the, just thinking about how we get governments to do better is not, no. for me, the most productive way about thinking about solving the problem. It's more about how can we identify and amplify the actions of individuals and small communities across the globe that addresses these these problems and encourage more of that right um as a as a means to solve this rather than you know because because i just think inevitably if you try and create big state programs i mean look at it where's it across the globe to solve these things they're just they're vulnerable to capture by in, you know by by interests it's very difficult to transform these organizations away from being, you know, self-serving bureaucracies. I, I just, whereas it's much easier to get, you know, authentic, effective action, in my view, at a, at a lower level. I mean, it's back to the book we reviewed previously, Small is Beautiful, and that's something I hold to. Yeah, but, but the, the, the amount of people which are active in a certain field, if you also take uh, the European community, which is criticized uh, a lot, if you just see the amount of people who are working there, it's it's less than uh, the Dutch tax authority for the for the income tax. So it's it's nearly nothing. Huh? So so, but if I would just take let's say minimum wage, uh, that's just a decision which you take in a certain country, and there is nobody who is let's say there is not that there are enormous amount of people uh, discussing minimum wage all the time in a kind of a department. No, it's just it's at a certain time people say okay. It makes sense to to discuss: Do we want to have child labor? And then at a certain point, we said, "No, those those children in the factories uh, uh, producing fabric, not a good idea. It's it's not humane. Uh, those those children should go to school, and they all should go to school." So we said, "It's obligatory to go to school until a certain age." Then we said, uh, "We should have a minimum wage." Then we said. If you employ people, uh, they should have health insurance, and so on, and so on. How would you have solved this kind of topics if you said, dear company owners, it would be very, very nice if you could discuss on a local level if you want to implement minimum wage or something like that? Well, I mean, there is an argument to say that that could have been quite possible, right? The power of of of, of citizens to say, well, I'm not going to buy. I mean, to some extent, we already we we saw that, right? In London, for example, there was the this creation of the living wage, right? So that as I, there's no under, there's no um, requirement for firms to offer the living wage in London, um, but there is now a great deal of social pressure on firms to provide the living wage for their staff, and so a lot of the major like professional services firms and others in London um, will now come out and say, well, we pay everybody the living wage, including the cleaners, uh, and. To a large degree, as I understand it, that's big as a result of social pressure on these firms. So I don't, I don't, to not, so I don't think government regulation is the only tool for social change. And that seems to be her premise here, right? 
Yeah, but if or at least if government you, action, she would, she would, she would. To be fair to her, yeah, but if you, but if you then, if you then uh, take statistics, if you take take life expectancy or or health, etc., then you still end up again uh, in 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 let's say in Scandinavian countries. So I think it's or, it's or yeah, Bhutan, it, right? Yeah, Which or, I'm guessing yeah. doesn't have a huge, um, you know, social uh, expenditures, right? Yeah, okay, but this, if we just stay, let's say stay in Europe as an example. Uh, then I also think it's just more it's just more efficient. But I also see it in the in the financial sector. Just to take one last example, where you talk a little about self-regulation, self-regulation, to my point of view, is incredibly inefficient. So it would make much more sense to have an external body, and it can be the government, etc., department, etc. That says, okay, these are the rules. So um, because if you really want to avoid a lot of bureaucracy. And I take just the financial sector as an enormous actual good example. Uh, there is so much discussion going on, uh, which is called self-regulation. Regulation always works very well when it's not a self-regulation. Because what would be the interest of a bank to have very clear rules on, 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 on uh, let's say, money laundering, etc. So, uh, so that's that's there's enormous bureaucracy or enormous stuff going on but it would be much more efficient to have very very simple uh governmental uh, rules and i would say the minimum wage is a very good example election rights is a very good example um so so i totally agree with matsukato uh, that that this idea is that the state is inefficient and and private companies are much more uh, efficient is in a lot of cases is just not true so if you talk and i find public transport an excellent example because we have only we've we have done the whole thing there so we've privatized it and we just found out no it 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 it, it didn't work why 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 does it not work because you don't you don't have competition and it doesn't and it also doesn't make sense to have competition. So, okay, you have two companies, real companies, and they, they both connect Edinburgh with London or something like that. Does it, does it work in the end? No, it doesn't. And, and, and you can just prove it. So everybody who wants to know how public transport functions or really works pretty well, come to Switzerland. When a train is one minute late, they say, sorry, we have to apologize, train is one minute late. So, and it works perfectly well. Right. Yes. And, and, and you know, I can't argue with that, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm well aware of the of the efficacy of the of the Swiss train system. But we are we are we will do one uh, in in future. Then I will invite you to Switzerland, and then we'll we'll drive into the mountains, and then we also can go through a pass, a Verreina pass, and then it says it says the train will start at minute X, and it exactly goes at minute X, and it's. This is foreigner. That was totally amazed. Or you have to, you have to register. My wife had to register her car, and it, and 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 they said you have an appointment on 15 hour 33, but exactly be on time. And 33, then you have to, you see this time, and then it's your appointment. And that's the whole way this works. It's all it's all government. Huh? So if you have if you have a question about your tax formula, you call somebody, and they take up the phone. And or they call you back on your mobile on the same day. So it's not that government is inefficient or government is much more expensive. It's just not the case because there are a lot of examples where it works 
excellent. It works excellent. You get a formula, your son will be in school, blah, 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 and with the whole uh, uh, schedule, etc. It works perfectly well. Right. But I also think that what's great, again, back to the, sm- the, the smallest beautiful paradigm, what I understand of the way Swiss government works is uh, they, they're much more federated, right? They, they, the, the they're, real, they're much the less real... centralized than most, uh, with the most state and, and most developed nations, right? They, uh, and, and the power uh, is devolved down to a local level and you've got the, you know, the, That's right. But, you st- but, but the, the starting point is you have a certain agreement on, let's say, public infrastructure. The trains is is a national, and the mill, the main railroads are, is a national uh, topic, um, uh, and that that works pretty well. But in let's say most European continental countries, the university system works excellent, uh, the school system works excellent. What does not work excellent? Private part, which is which is before they go to kindergarten. That's a mess. It's it's a mess in the Netherlands. It's something. So I would be against against this way. It should be it should be the responsibility of the state capture this part as well, and not and not starting taking responsibility when children are four, because especially also from a social point of view, until the age of four, four there's a lot of development going on, and then people who can afford put their children in a, in a nice uh, childcare and people can't afford theirs, they're trying to solve it in another way. So, but that's the point she, she, she makes mainly uh, uh, in the book uh, that, that our whole view of that private companies are much better in solving all our world problems is, is not true. Uh, and, 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 and I, uh, I agree on that, although I'm an entrepreneur and I say, if you can guarantee that in a lot of parts of society or in our economic way of dealing with each other, there is enough competition, like we are a commercial company, we do mortgage advice, a lot of others who also do, and then you have competition, etc. But there is a regulation, for instance, that we're not allowed to get money from the suppliers. Excellent. It's so enormously efficient and it's so transparent and everybody knows we are not paid by those banks. We are paid by the client. Excellent example of very highly efficient uh, regulation by the state. Right. Well, and I, I mean, that's something I do agree with her on, right? I don't think profit-seeking, shareholder-value-driven private institutions can save our problem. Absolutely not, right? So, I'm, so that's another area where I have strong agreement with her. I mean, I think that the idea of a shift to shareholder capitalism or a, you know, a form of capital that's much more rooted in the values of the communities that they serve is absolutely the way to go. And, um, and I think, in, in fact, one of, the reason, one of the things that she frustrated me when she talks about um, you know, that form of ca- capitalism, and um, if I can find the, the quote here, um, but she's effectively saying that um, there's uh, little evidence of this um, so far, there is little evidence that this is actually ch- So she told, I'll, I'll read the full quote. While there are movements afoot to get business to move away from pure maximization of profits and shareholder value towards a more stakeholder-driven governance structure, so far, there is little evidence that this is actually changing anything beyond the feel-good factor. No, no, no. There is plenty of evidence of a shift in the way 
that people are approaching capitalism. Your firm, as a prime example, and many of them, and and you know something that's obviously close to her right is the, the environmental accent. You know, I had Tom Saki on the being my being human podcast. Mm. He's running TerraCycle over in the yeah. US, and he's solving you know recycle cycling issues on a purely commercial basis, working with other commercial firms on how they can get. So it's totally not true that there is little evidence. There is a wealth of evidence of a massive growing movement of a shift in the way people are doing capitalism. You know, B Corps, you know, these not, not for profit companies are growing massively. Yeah. Patagonia, you can go on and on and on naming firms in this shift in, in, in capitalism. And, and she does. So she, she points to that, and I applaud her for pointing to that, but it's just not true that there isn't a big shift happening there. Okay, I wouldn't agree. Uh, with that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I think this book should be read by uh, two categories of people. Uh, on the one hand, it should be read by people who, let's say, uh, uh, always thought uh, they're very skeptical and, and they're much more in favor of, uh, let's say, taking the government more responsibility. But that's the obvious group. But the other half, which doesn't agree uh, with it at all and says, no, everything should be privatized, they also should read the book. Just to, it's always much more interesting to read stuff which you don't agree with, because it sharpens it sharpens the brain, so to say. So, uh, I think uh, she um, she is doing an excellent job, uh, and I really uh, would looking forward if you would uh, have your in your in your show. She does a lot of talks um, uh, because I think um, uh, the discussion will always help in the end. Um, or will a big help for all of us, because in a way we have to solve these global issues. Yeah, yeah but I don't want to let you off the hook with you, you, you disagreeing with. So you don't think there's a there's a movement in foot in a shift in the way people are doing capitalism? That intrigues me, given as I see you as being part of that movement. Yeah, but it, but that also uh, would 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 give you um, um, food for thought. I mean, we are. A third time in a row, best employer, uh, trying to change this financial sector. But I say, for instance, in the financial sector, self-regulation is no regulation. It's not a regulation. Regulation is from an external party. How? What would be the interest of, of, of the most players in the field to regulate themselves? Why would they? So they try to avoid and lobby against it. So it's like Coca-Cola using our plastic problem or, or, or cigarette uh, uh, companies uh, telling us about uh, uh, our health issues, et cetera. Now you have to, that's the role of the state. And we should ask together, also for instance, as industries, as a financial industry, to regulate uh, with distance, uh, also with another uh, let's say interest, it's a common interest. So they have to regulate this, not only from an industry point of view, but for as a society as a whole. And it is in the end much more efficient. And, and this example of that we're not a able or not allowed to take money from our suppliers has done, uh, uh, she, she has done, uh, the, let's say the government has, has, has done everybody a huge favor. Uh, the whole industry became much more uh, efficient. And this is for, for specifically in your so so in your more case if you in more you can buy so you can't so what does that mean you you can't take the a client, commission when you the sell client, a... the client pays us for the advice okay so, purely so, okay so, so so in the end you got one percent on the loan 
and then and then and then the client says, "Yeah, I, I, why why does this consultant recommend bank A and not bank B? Perhaps he he or she gets much more from bank A or bank bank B. That problem has has been solved. Uh, and uh, what also happened is that let's say the the advice fee people have to pay corresponds with the amount of work the advice is. So simple." Simple, a simple mortgage for somebody who is employed is is easier because it's just less time consuming. And somebody who's an entrepreneur and a lot of uh, uh, entities, etc., uh, and 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 one wants to buy, I don't know, something which is pretty complicated, or uh, then then you need just more time. So it's an, it's in the end and 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 fee based on on the amount of hours you need, and it has made. The, the the whole sector much more efficient the rates went down with let's say our half of it now uh, and then you still have the whole discussion about automation etc etc and linking uh, data but but the main driver there was um, uh, was let's say the the role of the government but I also think that everything which has to do with social a regulation if you talk about minimal wages and 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 etc etc or value added taxes etc this it is an enormous efficient way of organizing because it's the rule which which applies to to anybody who is taking part in the whole game right yeah and i would just but that's one way i mean could it not have happened that you know you would you would have got some firms who started to say or either were very transparent about their fees or they, they made a stance and they said, we're not going to take any commission. And, you know, they would have over time gained more trust of their consumers and they would have built greater market share. And over time, you had an effect where the whole market would flip over. But let's just end an example uh, with, the, with the airplane. So the problem is that in the end, uh, uh, we think short term and in an egoistic way in a lot of uh, cases. So. If you have a possibility, or in general, there's a possibility of flying with EasyJet to Barcelona from London for 25 bucks, and there would be an alternative which says, okay, I have added all the all the external costs which should be added, and it costs 10 times more. Still, nobody would fly with this external with this new carrier, and that's the big problem. So, if you want to change something, it should be level playing field, which is a very old liberal principle. That that the game should be with with the rules which apply to to all the players in the field, and that's something which in the tax environment also does not apply. So Google is not pay doesn't doesn't pay any taxes. Apple also doesn't, but this small startup which becomes a little bit bigger doesn't have the possibility of avoiding taxes by a difficult juridical uh, construction. Uh, uh, which which costs an enormous amount of money to uh, to have set up by lawyers. So it's it's also if you talk about equal uh, equal level playing field for those people, it's it's not a liberal uh, uh, principle. It's 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 the opposite. Right, right, yeah, and I yes, and I think that once once you're in a situation where you've got these actors acting in bad faith, then maybe you have to fight fire with fire. I agree with that. But I, I guess it's the, it's just where do we place our attention and what do we put our hope and our faith in? And for me, it's, it, it's focusing in on 
where we've got voluntary action at a local level and seeking to amplify and encourage that as a as a solution. But yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe that's just <laughs> where we'll we'll have to um, leave it. Yeah, I think we wrap it up and um, yeah. And I'm looking forward to your conversation with <laughs> Mariano Mazzucato. <laughs> right. Yeah, which, which I would, I would um, walk into with some trepidation, being a trained engineer, not economist. I'd probably, she'd probably eat me for breakfast, but, you know, it might be fun trying. Good. Okay. Well, um, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, so once again, for people, um, it's Mission, on, Mission Economy, a moonshoot guide to changing capitalism. Yeah, uh, and, and definitely worth it, whichever side of the spectrum you're on. Uh, and certainly I found there was a lot, of, um, a lot of what I agreed with her on, but, you know, plenty that I didn't, so it was, it was, it was good. Yeah, but just, per, perhaps just a last remark. We just saw by coincidence, I think, yesterday that Jeffrey Sachs, who also started the book club, uh, I don't know if he got the inspiration from us, I don't think so, uh, also, also uh, is discussing uh, the book. Uh, so at the moment, it's uh, it's a book which is um, which is pretty, um, uh, let's say, lively discussed. So for all those people who want to um, uh, read more or 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 listen to more discussions, uh, just Google Jeffrey Sachs Book Club. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Read This with Me, Richard Atherton, and my fantastic co-host Tom Van der Lubbe. If any of the material in this show resonated with you, if you're thinking perhaps how could I take these ideas and apply them in my own leadership or, or take them forward into my own organization, then I would love to have a conversation with you about that. If that feels like that could be a valuable use of your time, then please do click on the Calendly link in the description for this episode. That will allow you to book a slot directly into my calendar, and I hope to speak to you soon.